Shalom. Hello, my name is Michio Digo. You're welcome. Okay, I want to be talking on the you know learning of Christ, making him the focus, the center of the Christian work. As a matter of fact, the word Christian, Christ-like, center of his person. Okay, let's start a case study here from Matthew 11, from verse 25. Praise Jesus. Okay, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and have revealed them to babes. Okay, you know, most times when you hear scriptures like this, you begin to wonder, ah, God, does he choose the people to reveal themselves to? Maybe the wise? He doesn't speak to, to the prudent. Okay, he's babes. No. You must understand the language of scriptures. Praise the name of the Lord. Basically, what's he communicating here? The wise and the prudent are men and women who have built up their confidence in themselves. Self-confident people who believe that they have the answer. They don't need to depend on the spirit of God they carry for direction. You know, that is the disadvantage of the fallen man. You know, when man fell, God came to Adam and said, What have you done? Where are thou? Adam began to complain and began to, It's the woman you gave to me. You see, he, he didn't take the responsibility of the failure. That's the beginning of man's error. When man feels that he cannot pray to tell God, you know, most times even Christians would do it. We think we know what to do. This was the difference between Saul and King David. David, Bible said, and David inquired of the Lord. He was a man of God's presence. He was a man of intimacy. He never came to a point, okay, the battle I fought yesterday or two days ago, and he won the battle. Another battle comes, okay, this same way I went yesterday. No, he will always go to God. He depended on God. He trusted the Spirit of God for divine direction. But Saul was a man who felt he knew what to do. And uh, that cost him the kingdom. So Jesus is dealing with the prudent, being prudent and being wise. Yeah, it's like man depending on his own strength. It becomes a veil between God and man. When a man feels that, well, I don't need to consult. I don't need to seek God. I don't need to, I don't know what to do. I think I, I've heard enough. No, you know, we will always depend on the spirit of God. So when a man depends on his strength, that becomes a barricade. But for the wise, who, are, who is the wise? The one who feels that he knows it. In this context, the babe as the one that depend on the spirit of God. They always want to find that what God wants them to do. They, they, you know, there's a word called divine direction. The present word of the spirit to you. There are people that come to God with an open heart. A child doesn't come with any strategy. It comes to get strategy from you. A believer who comes to God in prayer, trusting to get direction from God to take the next step. Hallelujah. The Bible says that I mean, there's a way that cement cool to a man, but the end is destruction. That's the prudent. That's the wise. Similarly wise. But the baby is a man who's, who depends on God and his path gets brighter and brighter on daily basis. Look at verse 26 now. Even so, the Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal. The one whom the Son wills to. Is it God's prerogative to reveal? The revelation of God is to all. He desires that all will come to the knowledge of God. He desires that all will come to know the truth and walk in the liberty of the truth. But you see, the boundary line, the separation is when a man's heart is ready for the truth. So Jesus responds, his revelation is dependent on the texture of a man's heart. When a heart is malleable, a heart is ready to receive, you more will be poured into it. 
You know, there's a scripture that said, to him that has little, but that which he has will be taken away. And to him that has much, more will be added. Invariably, when your heart is willing to obey, God will keep on showing. When a heart is not repentant, a heart is, is not ready to submit to divine direction. Even the little you know will be forgotten. Praise the name of the Lord. Now look at verse um, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. Going with the same context from verse 25. Who is it that is labored and a heavy laden? Everyone. Anyone. Whether you're born again or not. That does not uh, submit to the will of God. Life becomes labor and heavy laden. Life becomes trial and error. You will have the spirit of God. Once you're born again, the spirit of Christ comes into your, give, makes your spirit to come alive. So two become one. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. But Christ residing in your spirit does not guarantee that you will yield your soul. Does not guarantee that you will submit to divine direction. So when a believer does not submit to divine direction, to the promptings of the spirit through scripture or through the voice of God to him, life becomes labor. Life becomes a heavy ladder. So labor for the believer and heavy laden is when a believer is not yielding to the instructions of the Spirit. When the believer is not walking under the supervision of the Spirit. To an unbeliever is rebellion to the truth, to the gospel. So you can define this in two terms. To the one who has accepted Christ, when you don't yield to divine direction, your soul is famished. Your soul is empty, but you're full of the Spirit in your spirit, but you don't walk in obedience life becomes labor so is it possible for a believer to be labored on earth oh yes is it possible for a believer to be heavy laden yes when you don't want youth it's a deliberate intent it's deliberate where you submit to the voice of the spirit of god at work in you praise the name of the lord now look at that scripture again verse 20 he said come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden say a word i will give you rest you can have Christ in your spirit. You have peace. Because once Christ is in your spirit, your spirit is peaceful. But your soul could be troubled until you submit your soul, which is your mind. That's where your, I always say this, this is where your personality is. That is the realm of your emotion. That's where your passion is exercised. Until you submit it to the promptings of the spirit of Christ in you, your soul will not know rest. That's why you see Christians who are troubled. We are living in anxiety now. Some are even going to the point of being bitter and offended with life. It's because they've not yielded their soul. How do you yield your soul? To the teachings of the Spirit, through God's Word. And as you spend time with God, as you come to sit under a trained teacher, a discipler, you yield your soul to the teachings and the doctrines of Christ. That's as you submit to it, the rest of Christ is not established in your soul. That's why you see a believer becoming calm. Now look at verse 29. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Wow. Yoke. You know, when we talk about a yoke, he said, Bible says, don't be equally yoke with an unbeliever. Yoke is when you, for instance, you bring two animals together and you hold them with their neck together. They are yoked together. They can't move. One can't move without the other. When Jesus is saying, verse 29, he said, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is saying, Get along with me. Walk with me. Don't depend on your own human strength. Don't depend on your intellect. Don't depend on what you think your 
how much you think you have a bank account. Some years ago, God was teaching me about how to depend on him. He said, you don't buy a thing because you think you should buy it. Learn to trust me. Learn for my guardians. You see, when a believer can depend on God's word and the voice of the Spirit from the word of God to him, you find that your investments will be led by the Spirit. You see yourself, you will deliver from things that where the waste is. Life becomes profitable. Life becomes fruitful. We don't do things, oh, I feel like, no. We grow beyond the feeling. We are moved by the promptings of God's word of His Spirit. Same, same. So He said, take my yoke. Depend on me. Walk by me, side by side. Depend on my instruction. Depend on my divine instruction from my word. As I spend time in the place of prayer, I call it the place of intimacy. You know, prayer is more like a conversation. I call it the conversation of the Spirit. Where there is a, is, is a dialogue, you and God interacting. As you speak to Him, He is able to respond to you. You build a deeper walk with God. That when you come into life, you live with an assurance that this is God's plan. This is God's will. Listen to me. Until there is an intercourse, until there is an intimate fellowship, the will of God will be your wishful thinking. You begin to, oh, my, what I want is what He wants. No. You must surrender what you want to what He wants until you get to a point where His will becomes your will. It's a daily thing. It's a daily fellowship. It's a daily communion. This is why when Jesus raised from the, was raised from death, what He gave to us is His Spirit. Resurrection is the supply of the Spirit. Why, do, why did God give us the Spirit? He gave it for, for communion, for fellowship, for conversation. This is what God has called us. This is why He said, let us make man after our image. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God's image is so that we can fellowship with God, so that we can spend quality time. When you meet a believer in Christ who spends time with God, and a believer who doesn't have any time to spend with God, the difference is clear, especially in their conduct and in their level of submission. The pressures of life are there. The activity of life is increasing on a daily basis. What delivers you from the, from the corruption of this world is how deep you go into the things of God. I'm not talking about just walks, I'm talking about walking with God. The question is, how much time do you give to God as a believer? Are you engaging the Spirit? Are you spending time, quality time? Because it's in the time. In that, in some, you know, I, I hear people argue, it's not the number of time you spend with God. Listen to me. Don't buy into that. I should create time for God. It's just like a man who puts up a beautiful perfume and he comes back home and meets his wife and they spend more time. Do you understand? Know the wife walks out from the room unconsciously for her she will carry the fragrance of her husband's perfume. It's like a man who walks into a bar where people the unruly are smoking and their whole place is filled with smoke, you know, the smell of smoke. When anybody walks in there and you come out, people will mistake you to be a smoker because as you get closer to people, you will rub up all the tarot. The more time we spend with God, the more time we fellowship with God, the qualities of Christ which is in our spirit already, begins to invade our soul and that's what transforms and forms our conduct and our character you know Jim, Paul, apostle paul was writing the scripture in the book of galatians chapter 4 verse 19 he said my little children of whom i travel until christ is formed in you how is that formation he's talking about the transformation of the soul paul calls it the renewal of the mind child of god the migration the reality the activity of christianity is when we allow the depth of christ in our spirit to overwhelm and invade our soul. That's where the change is. And that's what our world can see. That is why in Antioch, they saw a breed of people and they called them Christians, Christ-like. These people look like Christ. 
because their soul have been submitted to the spirit of Christ at work in them. Are you a believer and you believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Your life, you've accepted the finished work of Christ. Child of God, the next dimension is to allow your soul to become a product of what Christ is doing, yielding to it. This is what we are building today. Matthew 11, back to Matthew 11, we're still at 29. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When we have built our work, our yoke is working with the Lord. We don't do outside God's parameter. It becomes our jurisdiction. It becomes our, our, our circumference, our area of work, of operation. When we begin to do that means we are taking up His yoke. The next thing is said, learn of me. When you and Christ begin to have a deeper work, you begin to learn of God. This is, when the Lord was dealing with me on this, you know, I was sitting there. Suddenly, I, the Lord opened the scriptures. You know, it got me off my seat. Look at him tonight. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn to depend on me. Walk with me. And as you walk with me, learn from me. He said, learn from me. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me until you are yoked with the Lord. You say, I'm born again. Sir. What yoke are you looking for? He said, after being born again, you have to deliberately yield yourself to the desires of Christ. It is possible to be born again and still live in rebellion. It is possible to be born again and walk against the purposes of God. Born again is faith in what Christ has done. Amazing, the door has opened. Then as you have accepted him and received this new life, you have to now yield to the promptings of this new life, which is amazing. Jesus calls him first, yoking with him. Then he says, learn from me. Because as you yoke, you come closer, then begin to learn of the Lord. Whom do we study? When we read the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to the book of Revelation, we are learning of one person. So when I see, when I'm studying Abraham, who am I looking at? I am learning of Christ. When I see Enoch, who am I learning of? I'm learning of Christ. It's Christ that is a central message. He said, learn from me. What do we learn? He said, for I am what? Gentle. Another word for gentle here is I am meek. And lowly in heart. The Lord spoke to me from this scripture. He said, each time you want to see me in the scripture, he said, look out for these two attributes. Gentility, meekness, or meekness, and the loneliness in heart. That means if I see where there's violence, if I see where there's bitterness, it doesn't matter who's the character, it doesn't matter the God man that is displaying it. He said, That is not of me. He said, I am one, I am gentle. Tell of God, this has changed everything around Christ about me. The Lord said, This is the way you learn of me. It's not a violent one. This, you know, I, I, I wrote a slogan somewhere concerning Luke 9.51. I said, the Lord is a savior, not a destroyer. In your private time, look at that scripture, Luke 9.51. Jesus is revealing his true identity. He said, he said, he's gentle. He's meek. He's kind. So when you see war, violence, killings in the scripture, God is not there. When you see bitterness, hatred, anger, hatred against one another, it's not there. And that word for that word, meekness, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's compassion. There's an amazing word, he is long suffering. Meek, this is where you find Christ. When you see this dimension, anywhere in scripture you see this, Christ is at work. And the Bible says in Colossians 1:15 that Jesus Christ. Is the invisible, 
This is the visible expression of the invisible God. So when we talk about Christ, we're talking about the Father. Jesus is an, is, an, is an accurate representation of the Father. He's the Father personified in the person, he's Christ. So as we are talking about Jesus, we're talking about the Father. We're talking about the Spirit of the Father. Same, same, same. Gentility, child of God. Are you quick to honor? Are you volatile? Are you easily given to bitterness? There's no Christ in that. He said, but uh, you know, when uh, was it, uh, Elijah, when the children made him angry, he called down, uh, the lion to be here to eat up the children. Is that gentility? Anytime you see a character in scripture, and it's not defined in this, Jesus, God is not man. He said, learn of me. As you read the book of Genesis, as you study the book of Exodus, as you go into the throne of Leviticus, as you go into Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, as you go to all the pieces, if you don't see this, he's not there. And I, you know, when I began to see this, I began to go back to scriptures to seek, to look for the Lord, to learn of the Lord. God is calling you and I in this end time to learn of Him. How do you learn of God? He's gentle. You know, when they came to arrest Jesus, um, Peter was there, all of his losers. And Peter was not comfortable what happened. Peter picked up his sword and picked up the ear of Marcus. And when Jesus was there to reveal who the Father is, he went down, picked the ear of his enemy, those that came to arrest him, responded back. And then he told to Peter, This is not the way we go. This is not the way of the Spirit. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. Child of God, let us go back to scriptures and begin to learn of the Lord. Let's find the Lord. He's hidden in Leviticus, He's hidden in Exodus. Bible says that even that, that they, you know, let's see another scripture that I want us to show. Let's, let's go to um, John. John chapter 5. I, I believe you are getting blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. John, John 5, look at verse 39. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. He said, he was speaking to the Jews. He said, you search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. You know why Jesus was teaching the you know the you know the you know the Pharisees? They began to search the Torah, but the, the writings of, of Moses, the Mosaic all writings, and the, the reports of the prophets, trying to find out the fault in the teachings of Christ. And in love, Jesus looked at them and told to them and said, You are searching the scriptures. <laughs> he said, For them you think you have eternal life. He said, by reading that, you think you will receive eternal life? But he said, and these things, and these, that's the scriptures you are reading, are they which testify of me. That means the report, you know, when the, the disciples saw Jesus, they began to call him eternal. They said, we have found Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of whom the Moses and the prophets wrote about. Then the writing of scriptures is pointing to a personality. I made a post some days ago and I said, when scripture is, when you interact with scripture without the person of Christ, the scriptures becomes another literature, becomes a storybook or a history book. He is this reason why scripture 
is this scripture. So the scriptures by themselves are not the end. There is a message of the scripture. There is a direction the scripture takes to everyone that is searching the scripture. And it's a person. The scripture, like we're seeing from John 5, 39, testifies. They are pointed to Jesus. So when you go to the scriptures without looking for Jesus, without opening your mind for the scripture to show you the, why they are scriptures, which is Christ, the scripture becomes another literature. So Jesus was speaking clearly to them in love that the scripture testifies about me. So this is why if you don't have a, a personal, intimate fellowship with Jesus, the scripture becomes just a literature. Jesus Christ is the reason why the scripture is a scripture. You know, it amazes me. You know, all the years uh, before Paul met Jesus, Paul knew the scriptures. Was knew the scriptures. It was a man given to the scriptures, the Torah. When I mean scriptures, I mean the writings of Moses and the writings of the prophets and uh, uh, Psalms and all that. Saul knew it before he became Paul, but until he met the person of Jesus. Until that Damascus encounter, he couldn't give an accurate interpretation of what the purpose of the scripture is. And this is still being the problem till today. Many people go to scriptures without an intimate communion with the person of Jesus. The scripture is testifying of Jesus. Until we capture, until we know him, until we not just knowing him, until we begin to build that deep walk with him, scriptures becomes literal. This scripture is altered by his spirit. Amen. So God is speaking to us in this season that men must build a deeper walk. Our prayer life must be revived. And not just prayer. You know, most times people pray and ask them, what are they praying for? You find that they are praying for things. Jesus said, seeking first the kingdom of God, which is his righteousness. Until I make our prayer centered on the person, our prayers must be centered on Christ. The purpose of prayer is beyond things. The purpose of prayer is to grow in knowing him. As you begin to de develop that hunger for him, an insatiable hunger for his person, then as we open the scriptures, the personality or his the personality of Christ which carries a presence we unveil the present that is the scripture the scripture comes alive in the presence of Christ so that we don't become teachers of literature called the scripture but to become revealers of Christ through the scripture for the purpose of the scripture is to testify the person of Jesus Christ. I, I, I remain your host in this and I believe you are getting blessed just like our age of them. Get to know what God is doing through us around the world. From today, your prayer will be go beyond just asking for it. 
is to grow in knowing Him. And as you open your scripture, you will reveal yourself to you. God bless.